Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. All right, so you know this series we're on is really, we just want you to understand that you're gifted. And um, when we might gifted, we understand that you're born with unique gifting, that you're built that way, uniquely different. You're different than anybody else next to you. God has designed you uniquely gifted in your skills, your talents, the things that you do, your personality. But he's also gifted you in this place that just what we look in the New Testament when we see the disciples and we see Jesus coming, the Holy Spirit coming through through spiritual gifts, he's gifted you with those very same gifts. And we also, when we talk about the upper arrow, he's gifted us, but we are gifted to the world. (laughs) We take that gifting and we gift those things and we take them that God has given us and we're able to actually be the image bearers of Christ and allow people to see God through us. And that's just what we're praying for this entire time. And uh, so, you know, I've been around the kids lately and the kids, well, I shouldn't say this, that's mean. They aren't more fun than you. Well, they are kind of, but, um, but they actually are very good about declaring things. And I found that adults aren't very good. I mean, kids like what do you think? Yeah, they declare it, right? You say, is Jesus good? Jesus is good, right? So we're going to do a little practice on declaring things, right? I know our church is not a declaring kind of church. We, we like, you guys like to sit there settling down. But no, here, let's do some declaring. Now, this is an easy one, right? This is for every human. So if you're not human, you do not have to participate. But if you're human, I want you to declare this. I'll say it and you repeat after me. I'm human. I'm human. Okay, now this, one, this may be a little harder. I'm gifted. I'm gifted. All right, you sound pretty good. I'm hoping your decoration represents your heart, but I'm guessing the second was slightly harder to say than the first. And for some of you, you didn't really believe it when you were saying it. But the truth of it is that we are truly gifted by God. And uh, when we get to this point where we receive Jesus into our hearts and we receive his forgiveness, at that very point, we have been joined to God, we have been given his Holy Spirit, and at that moment, no matter where you've come from, no matter what age you are, this life of transformation starts in this dramatic way at that spot. And you receive at that very moment, no matter who you are, no matter where you work, no matter what you look like, if you know Jesus, you receive the vocation of minister, full-time minister. And so Danielle talked about this, and we talked about that you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. And so as we just meditated on that, as we got things started, we also then, Caleb came along and, and talked out of Second Timothy. And this verse is something that just keeps, I keep thinking about it. It says that God saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Now take this in. God has a purpose and God is filled with grace, the God of grace. And he says, this is my 
purpose and I have this grace. And look what it says. He gave it to us. He has actually given us his purpose and given us his grace. And so as we, and I loved how Caleb put it in this spot in which that on this imagery of us being gifted is we are receiving his purpose and his grace and we actually go out and as we're living out our lives, we actually bring his purpose and grace to those who are around us. What a, what a deal. And as we think about that, just take that in a little bit. You know, uh, in our church, we, we have a phrase that most of you will know how to answer. Who's the minister of your church? I am. Right? We've brainwashed you well. Okay. Who's the minister of your church? I am. Right. And as we think about it, we are the ministers. You know, you are the church. You know, you can, you can, you can put on a t-shirt, a bumper sticker, run outside downtown screaming, I'm a minister of God. I'm a royal priest. I'm special chosen by God. And it absolutely is true. Weird. Very weird if you do that, but it's absolutely true. You're not lying. You're not crazy. It sounds crazy, but you're not crazy. Now, you know, we, today though, as we look at this, is that we've been talking about this is who you are. Today we're not going to just talk about this is who you are. We're going to focus on not just who you are, but whose you are. Not just who you are, but whose you are. And those two are very important when it comes to this place of being released in the person you are. In the way that Daniel put it, how do you live in your truest self? Isn't that what we want? The freedom to live in our truest self? And to live in your truest self, you learn who you are by knowing whose you are. And so as we go through this, I want you just to be thinking and I want you to be taking in kind of what that might, how that might mean. You know, uh, when you think of this place, we're going to be talking about being a co-heir, right? Now, when you think of the word heir, instantly, what comes to your mind? Just without, don't get spiritual on me. What comes to your mind? Royalty. Royalty. What do you say? Money. <laughs> yeah. Money. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's really good. So, yeah, that's why I can see it. So, it's like heir, when it's talking with the H, it's not the, with the A, right? It's, it's, it's this place that, you know, you might have different images, right? I mean, my brother and I, we were co-heirs with, you know, and we had what my parents had, you know? And, but sometimes we think of it in oftentimes like money or we write the movies, right? Oh, the reading of the will. I'm rich. I have nothing. I'm royalty. I didn't know that. I have this authority and power because I've been given this thing. I've been made an heir. But the problem, of course, that becomes that sometimes we think in that way is we think of it being an heir in which that you have to receive stuff after someone else dies, right? But of course, what this is speaking of is we have a living, loving God who is our father, and we are as child, and we become an heir. We become a co-heir. And as you think about that, is that, you know, you see, and this is not something that's kind of a rarity in Scripture. 
This is central. You can see, you, when you start looking up that word, or you see that it's just loaded. And so, you know, I, a couple of verses that came to my mind, you know, because when we've received Christ, you know, we become heirs of God. First John says, like, yet all who received him, notice this language, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the right to become children of God. It's not like, kind of, it is literally you, it's like you are officially <laughs> the heir. And the thing about, sometimes when we think of everything, well, yeah, I'm kind of like a, I can talk to God and he doesn't mind if, you know, I can be around him some. No, he's, you're his kid and you have access, you know. You're a, you're a spot in which that you can, you, you have what he has. In Romans, it says we are children. Romans 8, 17, we are children. If we are children, then we're his heirs. Heirs of God, and listen to this, co-heirs with Christ. Take this in. Your co-heir. That means you have the accessibility. To make, make sure you're clear on this, you're not Christ. But you are a co-heir with Christ. In other words, the things that are accessible to Jesus are actually accessible to you. Just take that in. Now, we're going to read out of the book of Galatians. And if you have a Bible or if you have your phone, you might want to turn there. Or you can follow along in the screen. But Galatians is talking to Christians who grasp this new life they had. But there's these people called the Judaizers who are coming around saying, no, you need to go back to living under Jewish law. And they're making them do these things. And it's like, and so Paul is saying, whoa, 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 what are you doing? He's basically saying, why would you go back to slavery? You know, why would you do that? You're children of God, you're heirs, and he's reminding us this. And so he's, they're writing this to the Galatians, because this is something that shows you that you can have something that truly is yours, and you start not knowing that, right? The Galatians knew it for a time, and it started drifting back. So this is speaking, not to just the Galatians, it's speaking to us. So when we go through the Scripture, just listen to the Holy Spirit and let Him speak to you through Scripture. Take this in. When the, when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Speaking of Mary under the Jewish law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us, who were slaves to law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent his spirit, the spirit of his, uh, has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father, which is Aramaic for the most intimate term you can give to your father. The closest, most intimate term. Now you are no longer slaves but God's own children. And since you are his children, God has made you his heir. Just take that in. I mean, just, let's make this personal. Put your name in here. Let's print it into the more personal text. I just changed it to more personal text, but it's the same truth. 
Just put your name there, and as, as, as we read this, understand this is God speaking directly to you. Okay? Now take it in. Put your name. David. The right time came. Tabby. Jeff. Don. Susan. Ryan. I mean, when they're right, put your name in there. Take it in. When the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy for you who were slaves to the law so, that you could, you could, so he could adopt you as his very own child. And because you're his child, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, prompting you to call out, Abba, Father, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. I mean, look at those terms. Notice how it's written to emphasize not just you're his child, you are his very own child, getting across. You're his very own child. Because he knows, we think, huh, too much for me. <laughs> but he has, you know, we've been adopted. He sent his spirit into our hearts. We have this ability to have full access to the point that we have to hide nothing. We're right before him. And then we cry out to him. And then it says, God's own, we're God's own children. God has made us his heir. Man. You think about that, I just, we're a living heir to God. You know, when I grew up in a tradition, they talked a lot about becoming saved, which is amazing, right? And there was, we were separated from God and we were saved. And then they talked a lot about heaven that was coming. Maybe they didn't intend to, but what I got out of that was, I have become a child on hold with no access, but when I die, I get to go in and have experience as a child fully with God's presence, and all that he has is mine, which is glorious, right? The consummation of the kingdom, there is a whole other level of that, right? But what I didn't hear was that, no, it starts now, <laughs> That I actually, it starts at the very moment, even on this earth, I have a living God, I have the living spirit within me, and I can experience that. I've been adopted as his very own child, you know, and I can actually, because of that, because I have these things, I can go out and I'm a gift to the world and I actually bear his image, <laughs> strangely enough, even as a broken human, God's image comes through me. God has given me this purpose and this grace, and I go around and I can actually bring his purpose and grace to other people. In just a conversation, in the way I respond, in stepping out in the things that the Spirit shows me, God, this is what's happened inside of me. 
I mean, it just kind of keeps getting wilder, right? I mean, you start out with this place of, wow, where are we going to stop here? A royal priest, a holy person, a special possession, declaring the praises of God, and oh yeah, and then we've been given God's own purpose and God's grace, and now we look at this and we start recognizing, oh my goodness, it, this is why this all happens. It's because of what's taken place, is we have actually been adopted as God's very own child. We have his spirit. We now have this deep, intimate relationship with God. And because of that, we have access to all the things of God. That's what it talks about his place as far as in Romans where we're actually co-heirs with Christ. The very things that were accessible to Jesus are actually accessible to us. You know, the very first week, I don't know why, and I don't know if it's just me or not, but when I remember when Daniel said, the moment that you say yes to Jesus, no matter what you've come from, no matter how messed up your life is, no matter how old you are, no matter what you do, at that moment, your vocation has just become full-time minister. And I, I think there's nothing truer than that statement. I can, there's just scripture after scripture. It's just everywhere. It's not like a, a good idea Danielle had. It's, it's actually all the way through scripture. <clears throat> but what I've found, even if we declare it, if we say it, there's some people, yes, but there's some people just discount themselves and say, I just, I might even theologically agree with you. But somehow, they find themselves not believing it's true for them at some level. They defer to those other people who are gifted, not like them. They convert someone who has their act together more than they do, who has less sin in their life. They start having all kinds of things that start taking place because it's really hard to take this in. You know, they can read Ephesians 3.20. It says that he's able to do unmeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, they go, not really, I don't think so. You know, we just, it's hard to take in. You know, they're just not sure they're able to be the image bearer of God. That sounds crazy. But it's true. And I think what I'd say in that is that it's pretty easy to get there because when you hear that vocation, you quickly say, whatever that vocation is, as much as I think that sounds amazing, I don't have what it takes. And that's why this is such a crucial understanding. It's not because of your works. And it's not because of your purpose and your grace. It's because you are now part of God's family. And you actually get to participate in all that's in the house and all that's in the kingdom and all that God is, we get to experience that and we get to have those things because we're heirs. Now, you know, uh, we think sometimes like, I just need to get more wise and more information and then it will start. Maybe if I get a little bit more prayer, or maybe this, I'm just saying we have ideas of when to start. It is true right now. If you know Jesus, this is the true state of who you are. 
This is who God has made you to be. You know, and you have what it takes for the vocation you've been given. He will always back you. Not because you're amazing and you're a superhero or you're super mature or you have everything together. It's just because it comes with being a kid of, of God and having an heir and having those things available to you. You know, Jesus' disciples are freaking out of what they're going to be taken care of. And he said to him, oh, don't be afraid, my little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. <laughs> like you're, you're backed. You can be a human with all your stuff, and you're backed. And John says it this way, see what great love God has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that's what we are. You are gifted because you are God's own child. That's why you're gifted. And you get to be a co-heir with Christ. And it's over the top, but it's true. But I find myself, you know, it's how do you get to a spot of moving from theologically believing this and actually beginning to do this? Isn't that a big question? You know, how do you get to a, the space of, you know, understanding that you truly are a beloved child and that God has given you access to these things that you are gifted and you begin understanding that level, you begin living that out? You know, uh, a term I like a lot in Scripture is this term of walking and standing. Because really it's a visual for me, is if you want to know what it means to exercise faith, sometimes we have really odd ideas of what that means, it really means putting your weight on what God says to be true. Right? And you learn that by putting your weight on that. Have you guys ever seen this bridge? I think it may be in China that's glass. Have you guys seen this? There's a glass bridge across a ravine. Sections of glass hanging together. Clear glass, deadly fall, and these people are looking at this, and you watch them figure out. Now, you could ask them, is this a bridge? Are people going across it and it's holding them up? Is this true that this is real and you can put your weight on this? And they go, yes, go on out. Well, I'm not sure about that, right? How do they get to the point that that information that they believe in gets to a point that it becomes what they experience? You know what they do? They walk on that glass, and then you'll watch them jumping on the glass, and what they're recognizing is what I believe was true actually is true, and now I'm putting my weight on that, and I'm experiencing what that provides for me, right? And I think this really has great application to how it works in this place of, of gifting, right? You guys ever taught your kids how to ride a bike, right? What do they need? They need intimacy with their parents saying, you're not going to die, it will work. I know about, I know about you know, physics, and it, you, I know it has two wheels, but it really will work. I know you can't understand that, but you have to trust me. Right? You need that. You need a father. But then, what else do they need to do? They need to start pedaling. And when they start pedaling, what do they learn? 
they learn, I'm a bike rider. I'm a gifted bike rider. I didn't know I was a gifted bike rider. I've always been a gifted bike rider, but now I'm experiencing it, right? This is what we need to understand on this place of gifting. It's who we are, but as we learn to live in it, we have to stand. We have to step out in it to understand that it's true. So I'm going to ask you a question. I think we'll be... Uh, don't answer out loud, because then you, if you're wrong, you feel bad. Uh, <laughs> which statement's true? Stepping out in your gifting comes from knowing you are God's very own child and heir. Or, is this statement true? Stepping out in your gifting reveals that you are God's very own child and heir. And the answer is? Both. Yes. See, you dared. You knew it so well. You stepped right out there. I'm proud of you. Putting the faith on that line there. That's good. So, it's both. This is how you learn who you are. As you understand the intimacy of God, as even though we talked about in, in Peter, the following verse says, once you had not received mercy, now you receive mercy. When you receive mercy like that, it motivates you in ways that those who forgive much, what? Love much. Those who experience mercy, give mercy, right? So there's an understanding that it does take you, comes from knowing that you're truly a child here, from receiving what God has had for you. But there's also the other side, is that you learn what God, who you are in this place, your child by, you know, stepping out in the gifting. And as you step out, you realize, oh, God can work through me. I didn't know that, Right? Now, as we think about that, you know, I, for me personally, this has been interesting because for me, when I came to Christ, most of you know my story, you've heard it way too many times, my brother leading me to Jesus, right? Okay. But here's what's interesting, is before that all happened, I was not following Jesus but I was watching these Christians show up at my house. I mean, like brand new Christians, rough Christians. And one was a little older, Mike was more mature, but then Chuck and my brother, they were all hanging around me, and they were rough. But every time they come in the house, I could feel God. Every time they would talk to me, even when it wasn't about Jesus, I could feel God. So I thought, I knew one thing right off the bat, that when you become a Christian, God starts coming out of you. And it was a real gift. I didn't, know, I didn't realize how the gift this was, because some people have not experienced it this way. But I didn't, I mean, here's an example. You, you guys know my story with my brother, right? So you might think of my brother glowing a bit, helping me come to know Jesus, opening up the Bible. The way it really was, was my brother was extremely nervous, kind of just like I'd never seen him nervous. We started in the living room. My parents weren't home. We both smoked. We went from the living room smoking lots of cigarettes to the dining room smoking more cigarettes, moving up to his, his room smoking more cigarettes. And we had this massive pile of uh, ashtray full of it as my brother looked at me with all his stuff and said, God's in me. He can be in you too, right? What did that communicate? It communicated that it doesn't matter who you are or what your life looks like, once you come to know Jesus, you are a child of God and God comes through you. And so when I became a Christian, I 
was really understanding by stepping out of my gifting revealed that I was a child. I just kind of knew both of this at the same time. I knew that I experienced God's mercy, so I wanted to do something, but I knew very little about gifting or identity or any of that stuff. I just thought, I'll, I'll try something, you know? And so I just did what my brother did for a long time. Just read the Bible and talk to people. Read the Bible and talk to people. That's why I did. Just read the Bible and talk to people. And God still used it, but I didn't have any understanding much about my depth of my relationship with God. But what's funny is, is when I began stepping out in my gifting, because I knew that worked. I didn't know how it worked. I had no theology of why it worked. I just know people's life changed. And I thought, I caused, it caused me to start having to depend on Jesus. And as I was praying for people, and as I was trying to help people, I start feeling what God felt about them and how much he loved them. And I'm thinking that. And then God would do this really crazy trick to me. I would feel what God felt about them. He says, David, that's true for you too, you know. I didn't know that. And so I started learning that I was a child with, and I could, I could, I could go to Jesus. And, and I, I started learning that through just doing this, right? You know, I remember the first time I tried to lead someone to Christ. You, it was so awkward. Everybody thought I was some spiritual person. I didn't know anything other than reading the Bible and talking to people. I've never led anybody to Christ in my life. And they say, we're the Bible study leader. Come, I got a guy who was ready to lead to, I mean, I was just like, I did exactly what my brother did. I just talked and 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 we went for this walk. And here's what the person said. Could we just stop and I can receive Jesus? That's what he said. And I fumbled around and he received Jesus. That's the way it works, guys. <laughs> it doesn't, you don't, you don't get there. This happens right now. Now, you know, as we look at this, is that um, what, let, me just close with, let me just start closing with this. Here's some things that God's going that God has given you that's going to come out. Let's get a little more tangible here. The things that Jesus had are now accessible to you. As a co-heir, we, co we have access to all that Jesus had. So what that means is you've been given this gift of this thing called the fruit of the Spirit in which that you actually begin, God comes, God's love comes through you. His joy comes in you and through you. His peace, His forbearance, His kindness, His goodness, His faithfulness, His gentleness, His self-control. And then you're given the gifts and the power of the Spirit. Those gifts of prophecy and discernment, of words of knowledge, you know, Words of wisdom, faith, gifts of healing, tongues, giving, empowering gifts that take your skills that you have and empower them in ways that were beyond human ability. Just in the way God's made you. And you have this supernatural capacity to just do things that you couldn't do before. <laughs> because you've inherited the very purpose and grace of God. And you're able to do things like forgive people you couldn't have before and stand against evil and it backs down. Or having compassion to somebody you couldn't take before. <laughs> and to serve in ways 
that are different than before, where you find joy in putting another person's interest above your own, or to bless, to be generous, to see what God's actually doing in a situation, to join into other people's pain, to bring God's truth and presence by your words and your actions. I mean, here's the thing, guys. I pray for our church a lot. I pray for the whole church, but I pray for our church a lot. And what we need is we need people to understand this and live out their vocation when they put their kids to bed and when they're at their work and when they're in conflict with their boss and when they're talking to their neighbors and when they're meeting somebody at church and when they're caring for somebody who's marginalized. We need to live in that. This is the power of the church. It's not, oh, I think the worship is a little bit better. Dave wasn't quite as long as he was before. I feel like I'm not as bored as I was. I think the sound was a little off. I feel like we're getting a lot of people in here. I mean, those are all just, it's about us being the body. That's when the church becomes alive, when we start understanding that we're gifted ministers that can bear the image of Jesus. But I've learned that I can, you can chant and tell God, you have to believe that and begin stepping out in that. And that's something that's the work of God. But we can ask Him for help on that. And so, I want to suggest maybe uh, close with just an invitation. And uh, you take in this, this spot, those, those two statements. Is God, you're God's beloved child, a co-heir with Christ, God's image bearer, a spirit-empowered minister who is uniquely gifted for his purpose. If you just take those in, and I'm going to ask these three questions. We're going to do this in, a, in prayer time right, before we move into worship. But just I'm going to ask you these questions as we pray. Which of these are true which you know are true and which you find difficult to believe. God loves honesty. That's what he works with. <laughs> Be honest with that. And then maybe even ask him, you know, why don't I believe that? And then ask God for what you desire. What do you desire? In this context, like, what, what do you want? And that's the Holy Spirit for instructions. That's a spot where you, you step out in this thing. And he's not going to overwhelm you. He's going to back you. But he usually gives us a step to express trust.